0: Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm waiting to be found. i building rockets. them to the moon.
3: This is a Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 492. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Now, if you can hear some noise, some drilling coming on, it's the neighbours. We live in this little terrace street. And for 15 to 20 years, to the left, there has been nobody there. Then for five years, probably the same, there's been nobody there on the, on the right-hand side. And <laughs> new people have moved in within like a month of each other. And both these houses needed gutting, So, they're drilling, they're banging, the skip's coming, there's, oh there's workmen in and out. <laughs> Nightship for me at the moment is not <laughs> not very good. So if you do hear drilling on and everything like that for sure 92492, that's that's the reason why. Before we get into the kind of main show which is Ghost Girl by Rich Larson, which is just a fantastic story. Just a little heads up. We've had, for whatever reason, a number of people pulling out of Patreon and the kind of monthly donations, and I want to keep this, want to keep this girl going, please. We are now kind of touching some months eight thousand people after a month's show, which is a staggering amount, and we have about two, three hundred subscribers over the board. And bear in mind, some of them are coming from Tales to Terrify and Farfetched Fables. So listen. Please, pop over to Patreon, do the right thing. Do you know what I mean? If you listen to some great stories last week, do you know what I mean? Alan Steele, absolutely amazing story there. If you want me to keep doing that and keep the District of Wonders going, I I need help, do you know what I mean? I, I always do, to be quite honest. I don't often mention it now, but we can kind of do with some help. There's been a kind of... A fair number for whatever reasons, you know, people's got their own reasons for kind of leaving and it's not for me to kind of, you know, hum and haw, but we still like the troops, you know, some back back people coming forward there who hasn't done support of the show. So please support Starship over any way you can with a monthly donation. That would be absolutely Fantastic. So, the main fiction, and like I said before, it is Rich Larson's Ghost Girl, originally published in War Stories. Rich Larson was born in West Africa and has studied in Rhode Island and worked in Spain and now writes for Ottawa, Canada. From, so I say, Ottawa, Canada. His short work has been featured on IO9, translated into Chinese, Vietnamese, Polish, French and Italian. And appeared in numerous years best anthologies along with most pro paying SF markets. He was the most prolific author of short stories in 2015 and 2016. You can find him at richlarson.tumblr.com. And Rich has also got a Patreon page as well. So there's a link there. If you're doing, you know, if you're doing me, do Rich. That would be fantastic. This story is narrated by Ellie Hirschman. Ellie has just a fantastic voice, but Ellie currently lives somewhere in the Middle East, in a safe part, we hope. As a voiceover professional, since 2004, he almost gave up it on altogether, but got yanked back in several fine podcasts and audio drama groups. For this, he is grateful. He has a keen interest in learning and imitating accents and is currently working on yours truly, Mr. Tony C. Smith. Here's an impression, he'll have a. Can't <laughs> see it, man. In his free time, Ellie enjoys cartooning, listening to old time radio drama and referring to himself in the third person. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present.
4: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Ghost Girl by Rich Larson. Read by Ellie Hirschman. Dowdy had another report on his news feed about a ghost girl living in the dump outside Bujumbura. So he put two cokes in a hydro bag and hailed a taxi outside the offices. It was cool season now, and the sky was rusty red. The weather probes were saying, Dust storm, dust storm, remember to shut the windows. Dowdy put his head back against the concrete wall and wondered how a ghost girl living by herself was not yet dismembered and smuggled out to Tanzania. Maybe some entrepreneur was cutting her hair to sell to fishermen. Maybe she was very lucky. The graffitied hump of the taxi bullied its way through bicycles and bleating sheep. Dowdy slung the hydro bag over his shoulder and pulled out his Poe license. This was not an emergency, not strictly, but Dowdy did not pay for transit if it could be free. The taxi rumbled to a stop, and when the door opened, it bisected a caricature of President Habarugira shitting on a rebel flag. He climbed inside and switched off the icy blast air conditioning. Bujambura Junkyard, Dowdy said, pressing his Poe license against the touch screen. Calculating, said the taxi. The junkyard was a plastic mountain, whatever fence once marking its boundaries long since buried. Bony goats wandered up and down the face, chewing on circuits, while scavengers with rakes and scanners stumped around on the bottom, searching for usable parts or gold conductors. Dowdy had the taxi stop well away, before it gutted a tire on some hidden piece of razor wire. It didn't want to wait, but he used his pole license again, and it reluctantly hunkered down. There was a scavenger with no nose and no tag sitting in the sand. Stubble was white on his dark skull. A cigarette dangled from his lips. Dowdy squatted across from him. Mwiriwe, grandfather. Mwiriwe, policeman. My shit all legal. He waved off a fly. You ask anyone. I'm looking for the ghost girl, Dowdy said. She lives here, yeah? The scavenger massaged his knobby calves. Oh, yes. How long here? Aye, uh, two weeks, three weeks since she show up. Her and her infizy. He spat into the sand. She's a little witch, like they say. She's got the thing following her all around. Dowdy squinted up the crest of the junk pile. How does she survive? He asked. He saw the scampering silhouettes of children and wondered if one was her. The scavenger shrugged. She finds good stuff. Me, I buy some. And nobody trouble her, or that damn infizid take them to pieces. He tapped the orange ember of his cigarette, eyed the hydro bag on Dowdy's shoulder. You here to decommission it? You look soldier. I'm here for the girl, Dowdy said. Which, the scavenger corrected. You say it's jeans, but it's which. I know, I see her. Goodbye, grandfather. Dowdy straightened up. He had speak aloud pamphlets in the taxi ones that explained albino genetics in cheerful kirundi and then French, ones he did not distribute as often as he was supposed to, but Doughty knew that by the time a man is old, his mind is as hard as a stone. He found the ghost girl rooting through electric cabling, feet agile on the shifting junk. Her sundress was shabby yellow and stained with gasoline. Her hands and feet were calloused. Still, she was tagged. Her tribal showed up Hutu, and she was inoculated against Navirus. Not born in the street, then. Anything good? Dowdy asked. She turned around and blinked roomy pink eyes at him. Who are you? My name is Dowdy. I work for the government. He unslung the hydro bag and took out the first bottle. You want a Fanta? Yes. The girl rubbed her pale cheek. Yes, I wanna. Here. Dowdy opened the chili coat between his molars. Clack. Hiss. He held it out. What's your name? Belize. The ghost girl wound the cable carefully around herself, eyes on the sweating bottle. Set it down, back up some, she suggested. I'll get it. You don't need to be afraid of me, Dowdy said, wedging the drink in a nook of bent rebar. I'm here to take you somewhere safe. Here, here isn't safe for you. He scooted back. Belize, do you know what an albino hunter is? It's safe. Elise said, patting a piece of rusty armor. My Dawe is here. She clambered down to get the coke, and all at once, something very large burrowed out from the junk pile. Motors whirred as it unfolded to its feet, shedding scrap metal. The robot was sized like a gorilla and skinned like a tank. The sensory suite glittered red at him. Doughty hadn't seen an Imphizi drone in many years, and the sight jolted him. Sheet, Doughty said. As Billy skipped back up the pile, bottle cradled in her grimy hands. He realized the old man has been t- He realized the old man had been talking since. My dowie,' the ghost girl said proudly, my Daddy is very strong. She swigged from the coke and grinned at him. Dowdy had retreated to the bottom to reevaluate things. Clouds were still building crenellations in the sky, and now wind whistled in and out of the junk. He Skyped the offices for a list of active combat drones, but of course it was classified, and the official line was still that they had all been smelted. He sat and drank his own coke and watched Belize step nimbly across a car chassis while the drone lumbered behind her, puffing smoke. There had been many of them once, Dowdy knew. He remembered seeing them stalk across open ground sponging up rebel fire like terrible gods, while the flesh troops circled and sweated, lying in this ditch and then another so fragile. He remembered the potent mix of envy and disdain they all felt for the piloting jackmen, cocooned safe in neural webbing a mile away. He remembered best when one of the emphyse was hacked, taken over by some rebel with a signal cobbled together from a smartphone and a neural jack. People said later that it had been Rufi Kiri himself, the razor, the hacker who sloughed off government security like snakeskin. But nobody really knew. Doughty remembered mostly because that day was when half of his unit, was suddenly gone, in an eruption of blood and marrow. Doughty did not trust drones. You see now. The old scavenger was back. He ran a dirty nail around the hollow of his nose. Nobody trouble her. That thing deadly. She has it bewitched. It's malfunctioning, Doughty said. Not all of them come back for decommissioning. Crude A.I.s, they get confused. Running an escort protocol or something like that. He narrowed his eyes. Not witchcraft. Lucky malfunction for her, the old man said. Lucky, lucky. Else she would be chopped up, yeah? For euro cash, not francs. Much money for a ghost. He smiled. A rocket could do in that infizi. Or an EMP. You have one? I will chop you up, grandfather. Dowdy took a long pull at his drink. If you talk any more of muti. You live in a new time. What, you don't want to be rich? The scavenger hacked up a laugh. Not for killing children, Dowdy said. Ah, but you were in the war. Dowdy stood up. You were in the war, the old man repeated. You saw the Navirus and burned the villages and used the big knife on the deserters, didn't you? Weren't you in the war? Dowdy wanted to wrap his fingers around the scavenger's piped neck and squeeze until the esophagus buckled. So he took his coke and walked back up to try again with the ghost girl. The drone had been repairing itself. He could see it now. Swatches of hard foam and crudely welded panels covered its chassis. Spare cables hung like dead plants from its shoulders. It was hunched very still, only swiveling one camera to track Dowdy's approach. Belize was sitting between its feet. Don't come any closer, she said, he might get mad at you. Her brows shot up. Is that Fanta for me as well? No, Dowdy said. He considered it. Too much sugar is bad for you. You won't grow. The emphysi shifted slightly and Dowdy took a step back. Belise laughed. <laughs> My Dower used to say that. My mother used to say it, Dowdy said, when I chewed too much sugar cane. He watched the drone uneasily. It was hard to tell where it was looking. ''Did you have a mama?'' he asked her. ''I don't remember,'' Billy said. She rubbed at her nose, smeared snot on her dress. ''And your dowie? ''He's here,'' Billy slapped the metal trunk behind her. ''With me?'' ''The Mfizi keeps you safe, yes? Like it, father.'' Dowdy maneuvered a rubber tire to sit on. Some of the scavengers down below were using a brazier for tea, and the wind carried its bitter smoke. But maybe it will not always be that way, he said. Drones are not so much like you and me, Belize. They can break. They can fix, Belize said, pointing to the patched carapace. Dowdy remembered much simpler jobs, where the men and women were frightened for their lives and wanted so badly to be tagged to go to the safe house for the government to help them. If the drone decides its mission is over, it might leave, Dowdy said, or it might paint you. Paint me? Paint you a target, Dowdy said, so it can't kill you. Billy shook her small white head, serene. No, that won't happen. He's my dowie. Dowdy sipped until his drink was gone. I'll take you to a place with so much food, he said. No more scrap hunting. Nice beds and nice food and other children. I'll stay, Billy's pointed and Dowdy followed her finger. Take those two. You can't have them go with you. I don't like them. Two small boys rummaging in the junk, insect-thin arms. One had a hernia peeking out from under his torn shirt. They cast nervous looks up every so often. For the leviathan drone and the albino girl, and now for the policeman. They don't need my help, Dowdy said. My job is to help you. Many people will try to kill you. Cut off your limbs. The government is trying to make you safe. Why? Dowdy rubbed his forehead. Because albino killings are very publicized. President Habarugira is forging new Western relations, and the killings reflect badly, badly, badly on our country. And now that the war is over, and there are no more rebels to hunt, people who know only how to murder are finding the multi-market. Oh. And the government cares for the good of all its people, Dowdy added. He looked at the empty glass bottle between his palms, then hurled it off into the growing dusk. The shatter noise came faint. Belize had followed the trajectory, lips pursed. Now she looked up. Not what my dowie said, she paused, about the government. He said other things. Your Dawe is dead, Belize. Belize nodded, and for a moment Dowdy thought they were making progress. He died with the bleeding, she said, with the sickness. But he told me not to worry, because he had a plan. He made his soul go softly into the amphizi. She smiled upward, and the pity in Dowdy's gut sharpened into something else. He stared at the array of red censers, the scattered spider eyes. Your daddy, Belise? Doughty put a finger up to his temple and twisted. Was he a jackman? Belise winced. She stared at the ground. When she looked up, her raw pink eyes were defiant. He was a rebel, she said. Back in the birdshit shit-cake taxi, there was a memo on misuse of government funds. Dowdy tugged it off the screen and punched in his address instead. Through the window he saw scavengers taking in their equipment. Some were pitching nylon tents around the brazier. The old, noseless man was tearing open a package of disposable phones, but he looked up when the ignition rumbled. He waved. Dowdy's fingers buzzed as he typed the word into Google, soft copy. A slew of articles in English and German fluttered up. He struggled through half a paragraph before switching over to a translation service. Dowdy was not a hacker, but he'd heard the term used, always between jackmen, usually in a hot argument. The taxi began to rattle over loose-packed gravel, and Dowdy had it read aloud to him. Soft copy, a theoretical transfer of human consciousness into an artificial brain, ramifications for artificial intelligence. Soft copy claim in North Korea revealed to be a hoax, Increased use of neural webbing has led to new questions. Evolution of the human mind. The taxi sent him an expose on corruption in the Burundi police forces as a kicker, but Doughty hardly registered it as he swung himself out of the vehicle. He scanned himself through the door in the jagged glass-topped wall, scattered the pigeons on his apartment stoop. The stairs went by three at a time. And then he was in front of his work tablet, working the poll license like a bludgeon. He pulled up reports from three years ago, death reports. The list was long, long, long. He scrolled through it and they came to him in flashes. So many Jonathans and then so many Josephs, good Christian names for godless rebels. And then he found him. Joseph Rufikiri, the Razor, responsible for the longest sustained information attack of the war, for the interception of encrypted troop movements, for the malicious reprogramming of military drones, farm equipment, wind turbines, and once a vibrator belonging to the general's wife. He was dead by Navirus, but survived by a daughter. Dowdy stared at the data, and only half believed it, but half was enough. He found a rumpled rain jacket under the bed and threw it on, and into the deepest pocket he dropped his old service handgun. Useless, unless he put it right up to the drone's gut, right where the armor had fallen away. Dowdy thought of the blood spray and his comrades jerking and falling like cut puppets as the hacked drone spun its barrels. He thought of Joseph Rufikiri between blood-soaked sheets, whispering to his daughter that he had a plan and that she did not have to worry. He had to know. So Dowdy stepped back out, under the swelling sky, and hailed a new taxi, one with less graffiti, as it began to storm. The dust felt like flying shrapnel by the time Dowdy struggled out of the taxi, wrapped up to the eyes. It battered and bit his fingers. The sky was dark and its rusty clouds were surging now, attacking. It looked like the scavengers had packed away and found shelter elsewhere, or else their tents had been torn off the ground like great black scabs. Dowdy hurried to where the junk pile could provide some shelter. On his way, a scavenger fled past, stumbling, and then Dowdy saw the blurry shape of a jeep up ahead through the sand. Something besides the storm was happening. He crouched against the wheel well and checked his gun where the dust couldn't reach it. He checked it again. He breathed in, out, and craned his head around the edge of the vehicle. Three mooty hunters swathed in combat black with scarves wrapped tight against the storm. Dowdy counted three small-caliber guns, but could hear nothing now over the howl of the dust. They ducked and swayed on their feet, and the amphizidrone clanked and churned and tried to track them as the grit assaulted its many joints. Bullets had cratered its front, and bled coolant was being sucked off into the wind. The drone was long since dry of ammunition, and the hunter was caught off guard when it lunged, quicker than Doughty had ever seen a drone move, then pinioned him to the ground. The other two rounded on it, firing in rhythm. The amphizi buckled and twitched with the impact, but then reared up with the hunter's leg still mashed in its pincer, reared higher, higher. Blood spouted as the man tore silently in half. The other hunters reversed now, moving clumsily in the wind, and one hauled a grenade from his back and lobbed. For a moment, Dowdy thought it was a dud, but then a whine shivered in his teeth and the hair on his neck stood up on end, and he realized it was an EMP. The drone shuddered once, twice, froze. The hunters converged. Something clutched onto Dowdy's calf. He looked down and, of course, it was Belize, her translucent hands kneading his ankle, and she was crying something, but Dowdy could not read lips. He shook her off. He steadied himself. He ducked around the side of the vehicle and fired twice. The first hunter dropped, swinging on his heel, punched through the skull and nicked in the shoulder. Dowdy had not forgotten how to kill. Arm coming up, scarved head turning, Dowdy made his body rigid and snapped off another shot, "'feeling it into the chest, but hitting belly instead. "'The hunter fired back, but the report was lost in the dust, "'and Doughty had no idea how close he'd come to dying, "'so he did not falter. "'The hunter's scarf ripped free, oscillating wildly, "'as the next bullet splintered through throat and jaw. "'Doughty stumbled to the bodies and scrabbled for their guns, "'but one had already been swallowed by the sand, "'and the other was locked tight in a dead hand. "'He tried to throw up, but only hurt his ribs. "'He crawled instead to the emphyse. Its red eyes were starting to blink back on. Dowdy put a hand on either side of the carapace and leaned close. He stared hard into the cameras. Joseph Rufikiri, he said, mouthing carefully. The drone shuddered. The top half of the chassis rocked back, rocked forward. Dowdy mirrored the nod without really meaning to. He squinted back to where Belize was crouched, covering her eyes against the dust. Her skin was stark white against the black jeep. Tears were tracking through the grime on her face. Dowdy realized he had the gun pressed up against the rusty husk. Do your penance, he mumbled. I do mine. Then he stood up, almost bowled over in the wind, and turned to go. The ghost girl said something to him, but he still couldn't hear. It might have been thanks. Dowdy nodded her on, and she dashed towards her father, now getting to his iron feet. Dowdy went to the jeep and found the two little boys on their bellies underneath. He put his head down. I have a taxi, he said. Come with me. They exchanged looks with their dark eyes and shook dust from their dark heads. Then they wriggled out from under the vehicle, and Dowdy shielded them as best he could with the rain jacket. He looked back only once. Belize was clambering into the drone's arms, sheltered from the roaring wind. And then they were enveloped by the dust. <laughs>
3: And there you go. Don't forget copyright is Rich. Rich, thank you so much. And Ellie. Man, come back on the show, man. Gentlemen, both of you, thank you so much. Fantastic to have you. What a story, Rich. Lovely. Are you going to be the most prolific in 2017? Eh, is, it on, is it on the track? Let us know. Be nice to get in touch with you, Rich. That was just fantastic. So that is today's show. I do hope you've enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? Like you say at the very beginning there we need some help? Please support District of Wonders and Starships over. I want to just keep on going, do you know what I mean? This is me little retirement, you know, little nest egg. <laughs> keep it going there, it keeps us off the streets and away from fires. Until next week, just like to say, good night from me. This
0: presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. to the moon But the work is going slowly Won't get to you anytime soon Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio I wanna talk to you The signal's going light speed By the time I get my say you're so far from here and at best i'm moving slow so i'm waiting on your call at home with nowhere to go can you reach me is my signal getting through